Hello, coaches. Welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. The Championship Vision Podcast is designed to encourage leaders to have a championship vision of their personal lives and career. This podcast is getting leaders to share their secrets of success. So get out your notebooks and write down notes to make you a championship vision leader. Elite leaders have a vision and find ways to get buy-in and believe in. Let's share a vision. Hey coaches, this is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball, and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in. This is Alan Stein Jr. My new book, Raise Your Game, High Performance Secrets from the Best of the Best, will be available from all major book retailers on January 8th. Raise Your Game takes a rare peek behind the curtain and shows you what the top coaches and players in the game do during the unseen hours. I share their routines, rituals, and habits, as well as proven strategies that you can implement with your team immediately. If you want to maximize your coaching impact and influence, order your copy today at RaiseYourGameBook.com. Coaches, how are you? This is Coach Kevin Furtado from the Championship Vision Podcast. Today, it's episode number 33 on the Championship Vision Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to interview Coach Jeff DePelto. He is currently the head varsity basketball coach at Christ School in Arden, North Carolina. The Greenies are considered to be one of the top programs in the state of North Carolina and in the country. Jeff previously coached at his alma mater, Suffield Academy, for eight seasons, qualifying for the NEPSEC tournament each year, advancing to the Final Four six times. Suffield advanced to the New England Prep Championship three times, 2013, 2015, and 2017, winning the New England Class 8, excuse me, Class B Championship in 2013. Coach Tapelto was twice named New England Prep Coach of the Year in 2013 and 2017. During his eight years leading the Suffield basketball program, over 40 of his student athletes moved on to play basketball at the NCAA Division I, II, and III levels. Jeff is a member of the National Association of Basketball Coaches, NABC, and a certified FIBA coach and USA basketball coach. Coach Tapelto is involved with USA basketball, working with the U16 and U17 men's national teams, and most re- recently with the USA basketball youth division. In 2015, Jeff was selected as a winner of Nike's America Got Basketball Coaching Talent Contest and spoke at the Nike Championship Basketball Coaches Clinic in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. His speech, Growing as a Coach, from this clinic was produced and marketed by Championship Productions. Coach Tapelto continues to travel and speak at basketball coaching clinics throughout the United States. Jeff also serves as the co-director of Pro Skills Basketball Asheville. Make sure you're prepared to take some great notes as you enjoy the episode with Coach Tapelto of the Christ School in Arden, North Carolina. Coaches, let's welcome Coach Jeff Tapelto. Hello. 
Hey, Jeff. How you doing, Kevin? Good. How are you? Hey, you're in, man. I know it's sometimes kind of difficult to get on these things, but, uh, man, I appreciate you joining me, man, right in the middle of the season. Yeah, it's, uh, you know what, but start of a new year, so kind of good timing. Yes, absolutely. And I tell you, I, um, I love interviewing. Of course, I'm right in the middle. Matter of fact, the, uh, I was just putting together my, you know, my game plans and practice plans, you know, early in the day. And you know how it is during the season, the mid season, you're always trying to figure out different things about your team. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we've had a interesting one because we've had injuries and um, we had guys that started late uh, because of football. And um, so it, it was, it's been interesting and, there's been a lot of ebbs and flows to the year, and, and right now we're on a nice uh, upward trend, which is exciting. That's great, and congratulations on your win. I saw you beat Greenville, right, just recently? We did, yeah. Uh, that was yesterday. We went back-to-back. -back. Oh. We played um, We played a quality education on Friday night, and then and that was it could have been anybody's game. Uh, we ended up losing by four uh, in a really well-played game, and I think there's something like 16-1. and one. Uh, and then came back and bounced back really nicely against Greenville, and they're having a really great year. And, and Mike Anderson, their coach, just does a tremendous job there. Yeah, no, I know you play a tough schedule as well. Hey, Coach, tell me a little bit, because I, I heard you first um, on the Hoops Head. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm, I'm kind of a podcast nut. Uh, and Mike, did a, you guys did a great job with that podcast. I really wrote down a lot of notes you were saying. Uh, hey, tell our listeners about, uh, your background and how you got started in into your coaching career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I've always been around the game of basketball uh, and it started from, you know, my first memories of, uh, you know, going to my father's men's league basketball games. Um, and, and so he really instilled the passion in the game from the start. Um, and uh, during college, you know, in my freshman year of college, uh, I was uh, playing and, and had just kind of worked my way into the rotation. And then I tore my ACL. And from that point on, I never played another college game. I, I tried to rehab and tried to play, but just wasn't the same. But, you know, the true blessing in disguise was uh, my high school coach, uh, Jeff Guile at South Hadley High School, invited me to come back and help out uh, with the South Hadley program, which had a lot of success. Um, and, and so he kind of gave me my first opportunity and he was really – tremendous and and uh as i look back kind of overly trusting i think uh because he would just come up to you we'd be in one drill and he'd come up to you and say hey jeff uh you got a rebounding drill next like go and so it really taught me to be prepared and just kind of go with the flow of practices but always have two or three things in mind to be ready because number one uh you know you want to be prepared for the kids but you know, he was somebody that i always looked up to and, and never i never wanted to let him down um, and so, uh, I did that basically throughout college. And then when I graduated college, I uh, got a job at a boarding school called Raven Gap Nakuchi school in the Northeast corner of Georgia. Uh, yeah, I'm very familiar with that. Yeah. Sure. And, and it was totally out of my comfort zone. I grew up in the Northeast and, uh, I'd never been down in the area. So when I went down to interview, that was my first time in the area ever. Um, and myself and a guy by the name of Roger Cox, and he's still at Raven Gap. We were both new that year. And uh, Roger invited me to help him out. He was coming in. He had a lot of experience uh, coaching down in Florida. He coached at uh, Mount Dora 
Um, and they had gone to the Florida uh, Final Four. And, and at the time, he had a, a kid who just graduated from South Florida and was working his way in the NBA. So he, he clearly, you know, there was a lot that I could learn from Roger. But he was another coach who was just so giving. And um, he kind of walked into that experience saying, you know, I've got nothing to prove as a coach. So uh, why don't we just help each other and learn as much as we can from each other? He gave me the whole opportunity to run the offensive side of the ball. And, um, you know, my first year out of college and <clears> – <throat> I had so much to learn at that point, but, um, you know, and, and Roger's somebody I still talk to daily. And now Raven Gap is actually in our conference. Um, so we play there. Yeah, I noticed there. that. <laughs> so we're, right. We're, we're going there Friday night, actually. Um, but but Roger's just been tremendous and really good to me and, and always is somebody I can call if I'm if I'm struggling with stuff or just want to bounce ideas off of somebody, even knowing <laughs> that we play each other. So it, it's a really cool relationship. Um, and then after a year at Raven Gap, that's when uh, Suffield Academy uh, reached out about an admissions position. Uh, and I did a postgraduate year at Suffield Academy after I graduated from South, South Hadley High School. And uh, that gave me the opportunity to uh, work with and work for Dave Godin, who I had played for in my postgraduate year. Um, and Dave ran that program at Suffield for 20 years. Uh, and he had won New England championships and, and mentored a lot of guys that had gone on to play in college and professionally. And, um, and so, you know, I had a ton to learn from him, uh, but he had a, a younger son and was, um, not losing the passion for coaching, but, uh, wanted to focus on his family a little bit more. And, and he saw that I had passion and energy and, um, you know, about midway through that year, that, that first year at Suffield or, um, where I was the head JV coach and assistant, a varsity coach, he said, you know, what, what would you think about taking over the program? Um, and, and I was nervous about it because, you know, he had such a legacy to live up to, uh, the coach prior to Dave, his name is Dennis Kinney. The court is named after him and Dennis, uh, I think he had won seven or eight New England championships. So, you know, in like, <laughs> in like 50 years, there had only been two coaches through, throughout the whole program. Um, and, and they had really no pressure. Right? Exactly. <laughs> but, but Dave, Dave agreed to stay on as my assistant as long as until, I really felt totally comfortable. So I had Dave as an assistant and then also, you know, coming full circle to the person who kind of instilled the passion. I mean, my father was my other assistant my first year at Suffield. And so uh, that was like some of the most fun that I've ever had. And I never felt more comfortable because I could go into timeouts, not really knowing the situation. A lot of times I went in there and be like, all right, guys, what do we do? <laughs> as the head coach, I'm saying that. And um, right. it was nice to be able to lean on that much experience. And, uh, and we just had a lot of fun and, and to, to be able to share that with my father was really, really special I, for father's day that year. I gave him a picture of, of us in the huddle, kind of get rallying the troops that he still has in his office today. And it's, it's just an awesome memory for sure. Right. And you can't buy something like that. No. Right. Jeff. I mean, that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at going cause my, of course I played for my dad, uh, you know, all throughout my youth and so forth. And he still coaches me from afar. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He watches, he watches all my games because mm -hmm. uh, uh, we do have uh, – we had a video stream and so forth from our school out here. Uh, but I, I, I think that's a great moment for you. Absolutely. And, and I, I can relate because uh, we live stream our games and my father and my mother, I'll, I'll get text messages right when I go to my backpack after our games of uh, – you know, what, what he thought and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's unfiltered and it's always really good. Can bring you back down to earth, even after a big win. Um, so yeah. And, and so I guess getting back to it, 
um, I spent 10 seasons at Suffield and, uh, and we had a lot of success uh, and we had, you know, some great, great kids. Um, and actually, you know, being down South now, a lot of Southerners can appreciate this. You know, one of the, my favorite guys that I coached, Christian Wilkins, he just graduated, got his master's from Clemson and uh, finished his football career with a national championship. Um, right. Yeah. But that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So we had some really Georgia guy. I went to UGA, so I don't, I don't, I can, I can celebrate that only so much. <laughs> <laughs> my wife, my but, wife is a UGA alum as well. So okay. yeah, she had to trade right. her colors because she actually taught Christian in English uh, for his ninth and tenth <laughs> grade year. So, uh, right. Um, yeah. So, so we were there for 10 years and, uh, and a, a job opening at Christ school, um, it was something that we were really excited about because it would allow us to get close to our families. My wife's folks had retired and they're just North of Atlanta. Um, and, and my folks had moved down to Florida. So, you know, for us, it was a great move for our family and we had a great opportunity for some professional growth. Uh, my wife is the academic Dean uh, here at Christ school. Um, and then I, I also work in college guidance. So um, just a really interesting opportunity there. Uh, and, and obviously the, the program at Christ School just has a tremendous history. So I came into Christ School as an assistant coach, and five games into uh, to last season, I ended up taking over the program. There was kind of some unforeseen things that that happened with our head coach, um, and, and he had to be with his family, and uh, and so I took over the program and have been doing it since. And uh, it's it's truly an honor and a blessing to, uh, like I said, to be at the helm of a program like this where we've got such a great history. Um, we've got some great kids in our program right now and, and just a tremendous coaching staff from the varsity all the way down to our, our, our third level, which we call Little Greenies, which is our eighth and ninth graders at the school. So um, I, I think that's something I take a lot of pride in is that we've uh, the game is taught really well, no matter what level you play at here. And, and that's really important. Yeah, And, and I'm going to talk a little bit later about because I, I want to pick your brain I, uh, later on about your program development and how, what some of the things that you do. And I, cause I'm always, I'm always adding stuff and I pick up from these podcasts. So, but, but coach, tell me about boarding schools, because it sounds like, man, that it just sounds like you love boarding schools. Why would a coach, let's say there's a coach out there listening saying, Hey, you know what? A boarding school might be for me. Uh, tell, tell us why that this appeals to you and your family. Well, it, I, I tell this to anybody who asks about boarding schools. Working in a boarding school is not a job. It is a lifestyle. Um, it's something that you commit to. And, uh, you know, for, for whatever time, whether it's nine or ten months, that's typically how long the, the uh, school year runs in the boarding school world. Um, you know, you're on 24-7. That's just an expectation. you got to be there for the kids and to support your colleagues. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's, um, it's a tremendous environment to work in. It's an unbelievable environment to raise a family. I've got uh, two boys, one eight and one four. And, um, you know, my eight year old goes to his school and tells everybody he's got 300 big brothers. Um, and, and that's really what it's like, you know, being in this is, is your family is just as much a part of it as, uh, the students that you work with. Um, I mean, we, when we were at Suffield Academy, my wife and I ran a, a girls dorm of senior girls. And when my son, my eight-year-old, when he was three, he wouldn't go to bed until he could go up in the dorm and give hugs to all the girls in the dorm. And right. it's, uh, it, it's really, really special. And, 
there's such an appreciation between the faculty and the students because um, everybody wears different hats. You know, for uh, from the student perspective, you got to be a student. Uh, you know, you, your, um, your classmate. Um, you know, you live in a dorm with other students, uh, and you also live with faculty. So uh, you get to see faculty in the same light. They'll be your teacher, but they'll also be your dorm parent, and uh, they'll be your coach. And so there's such a level of respect because everybody's got so much going on. I think at the end of the day, you're all in it together and it's not easy and everybody understands that, but it's also something that you appreciate about it is, is that everybody kind of holds each other to a higher standard uh, in a boarding school. Um, it, and it's, you know, especially when you take a step back at every school I've worked at, you talk to alums and they're just so appreciative of all that you put into it and, and everything that you've shared um, throughout those experiences. Yeah, it's such a family atmosphere. And I'm sure there's I'm sure there's positive and negative too and so forth. You sometimes you're probably maybe even around each other too much. Yeah. But I I think you build great relationships. That's what it sounds like. It is. Yeah. And, and um I mean, I'm sure you hear this from from all the great coaches like the re- relationships are so important, building trust and in this environment um it it's part of the daily basis. The daily daily grind is, is is really all about relationships and, and working with people and, you know, teaching students how to communicate. And, um, and so it, that, that part kind of comes naturally just, just by going through a typical day. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, what kids really walk away here learning is, is relationships are important. Uh, being a good person is really important. Giving your best efforts important. And, uh, and a lot of times that's going to take you a lot further than, you know, just maybe natural ability or, uh, or talent um, is, is just being a good person and, and be, be willing to work as hard as you can. Yeah, absolutely, man. Success is a choice, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, know, you have a, hey, but tell me about what I want to know is and whenever I interview different coaches, uh, let, let's talk about your, your, your uh, coaching uh, stint over at Suffield Academy. Tell me about, when you went there as a first-year coach, what was your core principles? How did you build that program over there? Um, year one was kind of interesting because we had we returned a lot of players from the previous year, and I helped out on the staff. So it really was more of a transition. There wasn't um, a lot of new. It was more just <laughs> kind of passing the torch along from Coach Godin to myself. Um, but it was such a smooth and planned-out transition that basically right as the, the previous season had ended, we started having those conversations with all the guys that were returning, um, you know, in, in a boarding school, essentially every student who comes is recruited through a process. So I had met every student who had interviewed that was interested in basketball anyway. So it wasn't really new to them. Um, you know, for us as a team, I think uh, that specific added ourselves on sharing the basketball Um just being there to support each other, lift each other up um, and, and bring the best out of each other and, and just work as hard as we can every single night. Um, in, in that group, you know, we had a lot of older guys. Um, it, it, we had, I think, six seniors who went on to play college basketball from that group um, at a range of different schools from Division three um, to Division two to to, uh, you know, one's currently playing professionally in Switzerland. So just a range of of abilities and talents, but, um, you know, the beauty of it is they all came from pretty vastly different backgrounds. 
and we're able to come together for, for a common goal. Um, and that was that that season was really special because we, you know, we qualified for the New England tournament for the first time in about 10 years. Um, so to do that and, and especially for um, the seniors that had been through it, you know, for three, four years and had just missed the tournament for them to end their their playing careers there was really special for them. Yeah, and I think what I got out of that was it was a great transition for you. It seemed like <clears throat> just from the previous coaches, they kind of set they set you up for success, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think because, you know, Coach Godin and myself were, were coaching through it together, um, he was tremendous in – and I'm sure it happened. You know, kids that he had coached for three years going to him. And, and he was just, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm helping out Coach DePelto now. You got to go to him if you want to talk about it. Just kind of redirecting and making sure there was no blurred lines about whose program it was and, and who was taking over. Um, but one thing we always talked about uh, at Suffield, and, and I continue to talk about it at Christ School because it's really important as far as I think legacy and programs. The program doesn't belong to anybody. And, um, you know, if you're here now, somebody that played here a lot, 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 lot earlier in life, in your lives in particular put you in position to do what you're doing right now um and and it's your job to make it better for that next group and uh and that's something that we always talked about and and, um you know at christ school this year we had the opportunity to go to new orleans for a holiday tournament and um part of that was was the group of guys we have this year but a big part of that is, is the tradition of the program and um and we have a lot of alums down in new orleans so they were really appreciative that we were able to bring the team down there and play in front of them so those kind of things and, and getting guys to realize that is really special. You know, one of the alums that came to all three of our games down in New Orleans this year, he played for Christ school back in 1956 and he was just so excited to meet the kids yeah. that were wearing the uniform now. And uh, it, it, I think when, when the players get to see how much it means to people who they've never met, who they've maybe never seen play, um, that's when it really hits home that they're playing for something bigger than themselves and this particular team. Yeah. What a great tradition. It sounds like you guys have, let, let me tell you a little bit about, and I want your kind of point of view. I, uh, this is my pretty much my 30th year of coaching. Um, I started a program here. I'm at Lake Oconee Academy in Greensboro, Georgia, mm-hmm. um, which is right between Augusta and Atlanta. Uh, it's in a great area. We started a, um, a, or the school has a charter school. It's a charter school. And we basically, we started a program from scratch. So I was the first year coach of this program. And I tell you, there's nothing more exciting than that, Jeff, yeah. to kind of start a program from scratch with no tradition. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had nothing. And it was so cool to kind of get everything started uh, because they had nothing to go on. No tradition, nothing. So it's, it's almost just the opposite Oh, well, you had to go through. Tell me a little bit about if you had to start a program from scratch, how would you do it? Because you're kind of used to kind of coming in as to these great programs. Uh, how would you start a program from scratch? Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing is you got to think in terms of, of, of what your goals are for the program, for the players in the program, where you want to get it to and kind of, work with the end in mind and, and where eventually you want to get to and understand, you know, it's not going to happen year one and it might not happen 
ever, but you still want to have kind of goals and, and try and set some benchmarks. Um, and, and at first, when I started coaching, it was all about, you know, we're going to play really hard and uh, give our best effort. And, and I didn't always have the best uh, measurables in mind. And now I try and whenever I'm giving individual players or we talk about team stuff, I try and think of ways we can measure all of our goals to see if you know what we got there or not. And, um, and I think that's really helpful. So that would be certainly something that I would do. And, but really, yeah, th- I mean, thinking in terms of uh, just what the recipe has been for other programs that I've been involved in that's been successful and, and build off of that. But, um, but yeah, I, th- I think starting with the end in mind, those end goals is really a great starting point. Yeah, and it, I tell you, it, it's been really fun. Uh, our first year, um, uh, we went three. We had three wins, and last year we had eleven. We were just just a notch out of the state tournament. And this year, uh, we've already said we set the record this yesterday with twelve wins. Okay. We're uh, six and one, six and one in the sub region, and we just keep getting better and better. Uh, but it's more due to the great kids we have here. We don't have a lot of talent. We have just smart, hardworking kids, man. They just love to play and they're buying into our, our values and everything. So I've been very fortunate. Um, but tell me about um, going from Suffield to Christ school. What did you change? I always like to see kind of, what did you adjust like your philosophy or system based on the different school or do you pretty much kept it consistent? Um. I wouldn't consider myself necessarily a system guy. Um, so, and I think that's one of the things in, that is a little bit unique about coaching in boarding schools is you can essentially have a different core, a different team, different field just about every year. And so I think to be consistently successful in boarding schools, you've got to be really flexible and willing to work around kind of whatever your talent is in a given year and not say, you know, I'm going to run, we're going to run the flex this year and we're going to do this every year. Um, Because some of the kids that you work with are going to be your, your pick uh, and and you hope that they come. Uh, But then some of the players that come and play for you, um, you know, they, they may be kids that you didn't, uh, didn't plan on coming or, somebody who started at your school as an eighth or ninth grader and all of a sudden, man, they've really grown up and they can be a big part of this thing. And so uh, the flexibility for me, I think is, is big in deciding what we're going to do on a given year. Um, You know, last year we had uh, some tremendous talent at the guard position. Uh, You know, we had a kid, Jalen LeCue, who's on a lot of NBA draft boards right now. Uh, and, and he could do a lot. So we did a lot of uh, high ball screening and, and letting him get downhill and try and find um, shooters or, or just hit the open guy. Um, and that's how we had a lot of success. You know, this year, uh, we're definitely a team that is the sum of our parts. We've got a lot of talent, um, but we thrive on moving the basketball. And, um, you know, like in our game last night, we had five guys in double figures. We had two more that just missed. And that's how we win games this year is, is by sharing the ball. Um, not to say that we didn't last year, but we have to do it this year. Um, and we can't rely on one guy going for 30 
and beating, you know, some of the really great teams we play. Right. It's interesting you say that because I have one sophomore girl that's she's pretty good. I mean, she's she's going to play at a high level. And I have the rest of my teams very average. And we started the season with a high ball screen offense to try to get her free for shots and penetration. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, she was easier to guard that way mm-hmm. and then, then going back to what I call our, our five out, uh, our, our motion offense. Mm-hmm. Everybody touched the ball. We had screening action. It's funny how the team game really kind of – I just believe in the team game as far as offense mm-hmm. where everybody's touching the ball, but eventually it's going to end up in your best player's hands. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I heard it from Don Showalter for the first time, but, you know, if you keep moving, the ball will find you. You don't have to seek it out, and and it's true. Right. Um, and uh, I, I did hear a Nick Saban interview leading up to the, the college football championship talking about his – uh, I think it was his sophomore year. He was the quarterback of his high school team. And his coach let him call the plays all year, but they were playing in the state championship game. And uh, the coach calls a timeout. It's the final drive. They're under a minute. They're down in the game. And Saban goes to the coach, I don't want to call this play. I don't want this to be on me. And, and the coach said, well, let's think about this. Who do you want to get the ball to? And he had these two studs that he wanted to get the ball to. He said, all right. Well, let's get it there. Let's run. You know, what plays do we have that can get it there? So he kind of talks Saban through what plays to run. He picks the play, hits hits one of the two guys, and they win the game. And Saban said, you know, this was the first time I learned in my life that uh, at the end of the games, it's, it's not about what you run. It's who you want to get it to. Um, right. and I think in those situations, <laughs> yeah, you, you want to make sure you're getting the ball in the hands of the guys, uh, you know, who can who can make the plays at the end. Yeah, and, and it's funny, Jeff, don't you realize, I know some some of the toughest games that I've coached, I did not use my diagram board. Mm-hmm. We just talked about who's going to get the ball. Isn't it funny sometimes? Yeah. We overuse the diagram board instead of, you know, really kind of knowing, like, who your best players are, and we limit what we say. I know it's another topic, yeah. but sometimes I see a lot of coaches overcoaching where, hey, you, you want to get your best players the ball best players to touch right yeah there's a great story from uh from Suffield that uh Dennis Kinney who coached the team for a long time he coached Vinny Del Negro and and so yeah Vinny, Vinny was there for three years and I believe it was Vinny's senior year they were down in the uh the New England prep championship game and, and <laughs> coach Kinney called the timeout and everybody's looking at him and he's like what do you think guys get the ball to Vinny and everybody else get out of the way. And so they did. And Vinny scored about right. 20 in the fourth quarter and they won the whole thing. Yeah. It just, you're right though. It's funny how uh, whatever uh, it's funny. It doesn't matter really what we run. Our two best players are going to get the most shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, but what's, what's interesting about that is by running a team type offense, the other players by touching the ball and feeling part of the offense they're going to come down to the other end and play better defense and, and rebound. That's, that's my philosophy on it. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes kids, if they're not getting some touches, they're not going to come down and, and play any defense. But, um, hey, tell me about your defensive system, Coach. Um, what, what, what's your philosophy? I always like picking the brain of, of coaches and so forth. Uh, 
Are you a man-to-man matchup type team, or what do y'all like to do? Yeah, we play a lot of man-to-man. Um, you know, we we mix in a little bit of zone. This year, we've got uh, three guys in our team that are six eight or above, and um, so we like to play with at least two of them on the court at the same time. And and um, just with a lot of the matchup, the teams we see, we end up having to play zone because a lot of teams will play a guard at the four spot. Uh, right, but it's also helping our guys. Like we won't just go into a game and say, you know what? We don't think we can guard these guys. We'll see. We'll see. And we'll come out and play man and, and see how our guys do, but it's been good for our big guys. You know, we, we work on closeouts every single day, all five got all, all five positions. Um, we spend a lot of time uh, working on individual defense uh, and, and we build it up through position work. Uh, and then we do shell drill every single day. Um, but then we'll break it down. A lot of 2v2 stuff in sides or three-on-three, three, just how we want to guard things. So even with ball screens, when we're talking about how we want to guard them, uh, we'll start it with just two-man, and then we'll build the three and four and, and really get guys to understand it's not just, you know, one or two guys guarding a screen. It's all five guys out there. Um, and, and getting kids to understand that, uh, yes, there's one ball, and that's what goes in the hoop, but there's five of us that get to defend it. Um, it, it's, it, it also gets, you know, them to buy in on that end of the floor too. So, um, it's always a process and, and depending on what, what kind of players we've had, we do it a little bit different, but I really do like, I like to play man in a lot of it. And, um, because at the end of the day, and most of the guys who, who played at Suffield wanted to play in college and most of the guys right. who are going to play here want to play in college and there's. Uh, only a handful of programs in college that, that will play zone. Um, and I haven't had anybody go to Baylor or Syracuse yet. So uh, I feel like, <laughs> you know, I, I at least want them to have a concept and be able to walk into a practice and, and know what's going to be expected of them on the defensive end. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool on your part. <clears throat> you're trying to help them out. I mean, you're, and that, that's what your great coaches do. I think is, um, you know, you know, they have some higher goals and you're trying to prepare them for that. That's what it sounds like to me, right? Yeah, and, I, and that's what I tell them. You know, you come to the, the schools that I've worked at have all been college preparatory programs. You know, 100% of the kids graduate and go to four-year colleges or universities. And so that's what I try and tell the kids on the basketball court, too. This is a college prep basketball program. And um, I, I want you to have a great experience, and we want to win a lot of games. But I also want you to walk into a college practice, and I want you to be the best prepared freshman on your team. And uh, I don't think there's any bigger compliment that I'll ever get from from uh, from college coaches than when we have guys go and play and just say, you know, what? he's been so prepared in the weight room. And we have an awesome strength and conditioning coach here, Duncan Parham, um, who gets our guys ready on that aspect. Um, and and I've got three great assistant coaches, you know, so it's, it's a team effort here of getting our guys ready for the next level. Yeah, and I, I think the strength coaches – I mean, I think the strengthening part right now, of course, at our school, um, a lot of our girls do take the strength training and so forth. But I do notice that during the season, man, they get – of course, you know, they get they get weaker. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you do during the season? I know it's a little bit off the question I was going to ask you, but what do you do during the season to maintain that strength so on we, the court? We yeah. lift uh, – we- I say lift, but we, uh, we have strength and conditioning twice a week during the season. And, uh, and we do it on Mondays. Mondays is, is more traditional lifting. 
Uh, and then we go Thursdays, uh, which is we play most Fridays. So Thursdays right. tends to be more about, um, you know, dynamic stretching, mobility. There's not a lot of weight. It's body weight stuff. Right. Um, but it really is to maintain because it's really easy with, you know, guys playing a lot of minutes most nights uh, that they um, that they really are, are just taking care of their bodies because it can deteriorate pretty quickly when you're playing 25-plus games and you're playing every – you know, Tuesday, Friday, sometimes Saturdays as well. Um, so, like, for us, we came out of that New Orleans trip. You know, we played three games in New Orleans. We drove back from New Orleans. Then we were playing Tuesday. Then we played Friday, Saturday. So, um, you know, today for an off day for our guys is really important that they recover and they're not and they're not uh, just sitting around, but they're also making sure they're stretching um, and hydrating and, and kind of getting ready for this week now. We have to get back at it. Yeah, and I, I spoke to a coach the other day, and he gave me some – he does a um, uh, little little six-station mm-hmm. uh, strength workout with his guys, you know, once, twice, sometimes – well, really more like twice a week mm-hmm. at the end of practice okay. um, to kind of build that. Now, it's just a maintenance. He does a lot of, you know, little footwork drills, little band work, mm-hmm. things like that that I'm incorporating into – because I find out on the girls' level – the girls really get weaker, Coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you coach boys, and I'm sure it's the same thing. And we play against teams that are that are more athletic, mm-hmm. that are stronger than us. Um, so we have to be – we have to have some type of strength. <clears throat> so what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely important. Um, I mean, I've seen it before, especially, I mean, with high school kids in general, their metabolism is working, you know, a thousand miles an hour to begin with. And so – Right. When you've got them running up and down and playing six days a week, they're they're gonna they're gonna lose muscle and lose weight, and and that's the muscle is what goes goes first. So, it's you see it every year. There's always teams on everybody's schedule that they started out hot and then something happened. Um, and, and I think the conditioning. I mean, obviously sometimes injuries, but it, it's really easy uh, to wear down throughout the course of a season. Yeah, and what do you do? Um, you, you mentioned about your 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 strength training program and so forth. Uh, hey, and tell me about tell me about right now. We're at the midpoint of the season, and have you kept your have you made any adjustments from the beginning? Because I know I have. Um, I, I've changed a little bit about our defense and our offense. What adjustments have you made from the beginning to now, Coach? Um, we've. We've made some. What we tried to teach at the beginning of the season was uh, a lot of concepts that were going to work with the group that we eventually were going to have. But we started out the year, you know, we had a a big guy who's really super talented, um, but he just started playing last week. Uh, On Tuesday was his first game. Um, So we were doing a lot of stuff, you know, playing with two bigs uh, and, and just with fouls and things like that, we haven't been able to do a lot of that. So on the fly, we ended up doing a lot of four guard stuff um, just to stay competitive in a lot of games. Um, so we did a little bit of that. That was an adjustment. Um, we started to teach a little bit more two, three zone um, just now that we have our bigs back so we can keep you know multiple bigs on the court at the same time. Um, I think, you know, for us, Early in the season, we were settling a little bit too much 
shooting the ball. So we put a little bit more structure in how we want to move the ball and, uh, you know, getting swings and sides of the ball and also, um, you know, getting touches inside and get the ball moving through the inside, playing inside out. Um, so I think those were all big ideas we talked about, but uh, you can talk about them all you want. And, but it's really, you know, what you teach and, and what you build in that practice that, that you emphasize is what the kids are going to do when they get out there. So we've definitely kind of changed what we emphasize. Uh, we're teaching the same stuff, but we're, we're focusing a little bit more on areas um, that we feel like are going to help us down the stretch. Yeah, and you have to get your – the key is to get your players to buy in, right? And I think the, the best coaches – are the grit, the best salesmen, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you can change things. And I'm one of those that if it's not working and, and you know, as a coach, if it's not working, I am not afraid to make an adjustment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think your best coaches are like that, right, Jeff? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, not a lot, but there's a few sets that we put in early that we won't even run anymore. And we've told them like, no, this is not good for us. We don't get good <laughs> stuff out of this. Right. Um, but I, and I think a lot of it, you know, the ability to show kids film is helpful. Um, sure. You know, using any kind of metrics that you have. So we we film all of our games. Uh, we got a great manager who does that. We upload them all to Huddle, and then Huddle breaks them down for us. So you can kind of show guys by the numbers. Um, yeah. And I've used crossover too. I mean, both both tools are great. I think just getting kids in at high school to watch film. Uh, it's huge. And, and if you can get them to watch it, not just highlights, but everything, um, it's really, it can be really beneficial. Uh, and we're at a point now, you know, like we've already t- talked about as coaching staff Wednesday, we're going to get in and watch some film as a team just so guys can see a lot of different things um, that, that we think we can improve on that are going to be easy changes to make, but I want right. to see it too. Like even a, a lot of times when we do position work, uh, so I've got three assistants. I've got one young assistant who just graduated from Stetson last year. He takes our guards and then uh, two of our assistants take our big guys, but I'll just take my phone out. And a lot of times I'll do these like five or t- 10 second clips that I'll just film on my phone and I'll pull somebody aside. Like, look at your feet here on these closeouts. Like you're opening up. Now do you see what I'm talking about? And, and they'll make an adjustment really quickly. And we did that on Wednesday and Thursday this week and Friday and Saturday in our games, our feet were so much better. So um, yeah, that was one of the first things I learned is you can't teach every guy the same way. Uh, and, and so, you know, some are going to adapt better when you, some you can tell them and they're going to make that adjustment. Some you got to draw it out. Some you got to show them on film. Um, so, you know, being flexible and being able to do that. I mean, technology is a pretty awesome thing now to be able to use even within practices. I love that. Matter of fact, I'm going to steal that from because I'm big on on film, but I love that at practice where they get that immediate feedback, man. I love it's it's simple. But I don't think a lot of coaches I don't I, I don't do that. I think it's a great point because we are always emphasizing footwork right now. Coach, we don't stop the ball. Mm-hmm. First of all, we're slow, but we're smart. Mm-hmm. But if we don't we don't close the gate on stopping penetration, we get you know, we're going to get beat. That's a great job. I'm just going to start doing that tomorrow at practice. I love that. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. So you um, you just try to pick out uh, one thing in practice, or you try to you, – it's, it's, or it's whatever you see at that time. Well, it, I mean, you kind of have – and I'm sure, sure it's the same with you, Coach. 
you've got players that you know uh, have the same habits, and and obviously right. some are good, and some you want to correct. But um, <laughs> you know, with the ones that you want to correct, when we're doing specific drills where we're trying to correct as a team, if there's one guy that I know or two guys that I know you need to see it and are making the adjustment, those are the ones that I'll just say, hey, you know, this is what I'm talking about. Uh, but and and you know, for if we have ten or eleven guys in practice, it might be. You know, I've got two guys in one drill that I'm going to show. If, and then when we're doing shooting drills, it might be another guy. Or shooting free throws, it might be another guy. Um, running offense, it might be somebody else. Uh, I don't it, – and it's kind of where I'm torn. I don't love to have my phone on me during practice because I don't want to get right. uh, caught up if, with text messages or, you know, notifications with different stuff. Um, so I try and put it down a lot. but And usually it's at the scores table. But when we get into something and I know – like I'll grab it really quick and get it open and then, you know, pull players aside, but it's helpful. And I, and I don't think it's a really good way too because then you can almost ensure that, that guys know you're not just doing it to pick on them. You're doing right. it to just show them like, this is all I want you to see. This is what I'm talking about. And, and nine times out of 10, it's probably because I'm not explaining it well. So at least they can see it, you know, I don't, they don't have to mince words. Uh, and worry about me not not explaining it right to them. Yeah, and film and video doesn't lie. I, I mean, it might. I mean, when they see it, they they really um, they can absorb. Now you're coaching now. I think a lot a lot better, coach. I appreciate that feedback. Hey, tell me about USA basketball because I interview a lot of people who are part of that organization. I'm telling you, you guys are doing a great job. You did a speech for championship productions called Growing as a Coach. Tell our listeners a little bit about that speech that you did, that lecture that you did. Yeah, so it was at a Nike championship coaching clinic at Myrtle Beach back in 2015. Um, It was just a really unique opportunity. So I I entered a contest and didn't think anything would come of it. And all of a sudden, I got a phone call from uh, Ed Janik, who does all their uh, scheduling. He said, "Uh, yeah, you won. We'd like to have you down to Myrtle Beach, and uh, that's cool. It was really, really neat. Uh, it was very humbling, uh, and I spent a lot of time in that probably six weeks leading up to it, uh, rehearsing in front of a mirror of, of how I wanted to do it. So, had to practice because I I'd never talked in front of a group that big before. Um, but it was a really cool experience. It was the nine a.m. time slot, and uh, at ten a.m. <laughs> was Robert Montgomery night. Uh, so <laughs> it was perfect. Pretty, perfect. Yeah, it was pretty empty at the start and pretty full yeah. at the end. Um, so, so I, I told everybody at the beginning, I said, I, I think I have a pretty good sense of what it must be like to open for one of these big bands, like the Rolling Stones. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it was a really, really cool experience. And, um, that was the first time I really had other coaches reach out, uh, and ask questions just about things that, that I've done. Um, and, and all I talked about at that point was just what I had learned through my, my coaching journey to that point. So I spent a lot of time when I was coming up with my, my talking points, um, just talking to people that I'd worked with, worked for, uh, about what they'd seen in me and how I'd grown as a coach. Um, and so it was a really cool time for me to have some reflection in my own journey. Um, and then at the end, I brought in some of my favorite drills that I'd learned and, and wanted to share um, but it was an awesome experience. I, I, uh, I love talking at clinics and, and USA basketball through their coach academies. I've had the opportunity to do that 
a handful of times and that's been great. And I just love connecting with coaches and it's, uh, it's really neat to see people and meet, meet other coaches that, you know, like everybody's been in that they've gone to a clinic for the first time and it's, um, it's a really cool experience. Uh, but I always try and lead with, uh, you know, you're always going to hear some really awesome things from some really, really great coaches. Uh, but what you've got to do is make sure you're taking notes uh, with your own team and your own program in mind. Uh, because, you know, the first clinic I ever went to, uh, I'll never forget it. Billy Donovan was speaking. It was right after they had won their second national championship in a row. And he was talking about, you know, their, uh, their, their fast break offense that they're running. And, uh, you know, he's talking about this in, in the landscape of having Corey Brewer and Joe Kim Noah. And uh, I'm like, gosh, like I didn't have any of those guys in my team. So, <laughs> so exactly. I taking all those notes, but I wasn't taking them within the, the idea of like, you know, how can this work with my group? And um, I think that's a really great way to, to tackle going to, going to clinics is always keeping your own program and your own team in mind. Cause you're going to hear a lot of good things, but uh, the info is only as good as, as what you can bring back and adapt to your own team. Yeah. And matter of fact, um, my friend and I, we actually started a clinic out here uh, called the legends clinic. And it was just, just a, a mentor, a coaching mentor of mine. And we have, this is our third year. We had it. We bring in the best high school coaches in Georgia and around now we we've actually had some great coaches from around the country uh, that have come in high school coaches because Jeff, I feel like high school coaches are the best teachers mm-hmm. and I, I could be wrong. I know there's great college coaches out there, but I think I want, I, I I'm doing it for the high school coach and the middle school coach and the youth coach. So they can take a things from you that you have done in your high school program and they can put it immediately into their program. Uh, first of all, I'll, I'm going to make sure I, I give you an invitation to come out and speak, but oh, awesome. um, what do you think about that? What do you think about high school coaches as I think, I agree clinicians? Yeah. I mean, I think they have to be great clinicians if you're going to be a great coach because you're going to, in high school, um, it's, it's very unlike college. If you have one guy in your college roster, who, who plays another sport, like that's kind of crazy. Um, you know, in high school, we've got kids that are getting pulled in all different kinds of directions, uh, whether it's other sports or other activities or clubs. Um, and while you want every player on your roster, you want basketball to be the most important thing in their lives, so that's just not reality in high school. So you've got to adapt how you teach to, to the the kid who this is like their fourth priority or fifth priority um, and then make it balance and make it work with the guy who wants to play at the highest level possible. Um, and so to be able to teach and make everybody have uh, feel important and hope that everybody has a great experience with it. I mean, it takes a lot of uh, a lot of talent and a lot of thought. And I mean, especially for, um, you know, high school coaches who in a lot of cases, I mean, you get paid pennies per hour. Uh, and, and that's exactly. clear, it's, it's clearly <laughs> not why, why all of us do it at the level. We do it because we love the game and we love teaching, uh, teaching kids. Um, but it, it is a really special group. I mean, some of the most fun that I have uh, every year is going out to Don Showalter's Snow Valley Basketball School in Iowa and 
probably my four or five best friends in coaching are high school coaches. And, and we go there every year. We, we try and work the same session every year. And, and we're all going through the same things. We have our own uh, kind of four or five guy group chat throughout the year where we'll bounce ideas off of, hey, what's, what's going on with your season? Or I need help with this, guys. Uh, and it can be anything from X and O's to discipline to how you want to move your program to the next level. But it's, uh, it's nice to have a group of guys that, you know, are, are dealing with the same things you are. Um, so it's, that's been really, really valuable to me. Um, just to be able to connect and, and uh, create relationships with with such a range of guys from a range of places, you know, through a camp like that. Yeah, it's important to have mentors, is what you're saying, right? Um, guys that you can that you have respect for, because mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're going to get a lot of opinions from different people as a coach, right? But it's important to have other mentors in your profession. Uh, we're not always, but I do see that there's a lot of coaches out there that kind of keep it to themselves and um you know that they're you know they're entitled to that but i just think we should share more yeah because at the end of the day well and i get it when it's it's the guy who's in your league um like i i talk to a lot more coaches uh from connecticut that i used to coach against now than i did when i was there um and understandably so like you know there's not going to be a playoff spot like uh on the line or a trip to the championship on the line when you're kind of sharing different thoughts and philosophy on stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, thinking about the things we talk about, we share now, there's not really anything that would affect an outcome of any of our games, you know, from that stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I think it comes from just, you know, you want to kind of protect a little bit of what you're doing, but, um, and I think that's what makes you our group from snow Valley so special is that, we never play against each other. And so we can give each other kind of the unfiltered uh, feedback and, and know that it's just coming from a place where we want to help each other too. So that's where we're a little bit lucky there and it's unique. Uh, but I also try and, and connect with as many coaches as we play against. Um, and and I, I like to think I have really good relationships with everybody, you know, that, that I've coached against down here. I try to, cause it, it's more fun when you go into a game and, you like the guy on the other sideline and you know what, if you coach against them long enough, they're going to beat you sometimes and you're going to beat them sometimes, but that shouldn't change anything really. Yeah. I just, I totally agree. I think the sportsmanship part, and I, I see both sides, Jeff. Um, and I love before a game, just talking to a coach and uh, even after the game, like yesterday, I felt like we played a team that, we probably should have beat by, you know, 25, 30. But I told him, I says, man, you guys outplayed us. And, man, I love what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it's easier probably if you won, right? But, yeah. but you know, uh, before the game, we were talking. So just that respect and just building that relationship, I think, is vital, vitally important. I think coaches should do more of that. Yeah. You know, it's it's good for the just the camaraderie and uh, <laughs> especially at the high school level. I mean – it's a unique thing that we're doing and a lot of time that we give and time away from our families. And, yeah, um, for sure. And so, you know, there certainly is a bond that goes along with, with everything that everybody's putting into it. And uh, I think there is, whether everybody wants to admit it or not, there's, there's definitely some mutual respect for, for the time that everybody puts in to what Absolutely. they do. Yeah. Yeah. Coach, tell me about pro skills basketball. I, I've, I've uh, been on your website and so forth. It really sounds like you guys have, a great mission statement there at about the 
tenacious pursuit of self-improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, what do y'all, what do y'all do there? What are some of the things that you do to uh, build some of your basketball uh, players? Yeah. So, so pro skills is, is a really awesome organization. Um, and, and they've got cities all over the country that they've set up either camps, um, travel programs, um, individual workouts. And uh, it's really at the discretion kind of of the city director. So in Asheville right now um, we're doing some, uh, kind of week long camps that are really open to anybody. It, it's open to boys and girls, eight to 15 years old. Um, and it's a day camp and we're just, uh, we do a lot of skill work. Uh, they only play one game a day uh, and we're focusing on, on just game improvement. Um, so we split up the baskets. There's a lot of teaching. Uh, and then, uh, we're also going to be starting up in the spring a shooting Academy, um, which is going to be really six, players per coach so uh focusing a lot on uh just the form and fundamentals of shooting and and helping players improve um out of of charlotte though they do um some they have a a lot of au teams and they do some really good stuff but you know they practice um and they really work with kids of all different levels so they've got some uh teams that are made up of more high academic focused uh players and and there's some teams that are more uh, just high level, uh, recruited athletes, um, and everything in between. And so, uh, they, the, uh, Brendan Winters and, uh, and Logan who, uh, who really own the company, they do just a tremendous job of finding the right people to lead in cities and not trying to be everything to everybody, but, um, do what they can do really well with the people that they have in specific cities. And I think that's important when you're, when you're running a company or an organization, you want to make sure you don't have to be everything to everybody, but if you do something, you want to do it really well. Yeah, absolutely. And and tell me about, I know there's so many different, I'm big on skill development, but I think from what I seen, there's, there's, I think we're almost teaching too much, too many skills uh, and I know basketball is a very complex sport. I believe the basics are still vitally important, particularly at a young age. But even at an older age, I think we forget as they get older that to forget about jump stops, forget about reverse pivots, rips. Um, I'm most of my my turnovers on my team are just from kids not being able to rip and and pivot. So we work on that every day. Mm-hmm. Tell me about. Yeah, I, I think fundamentals are so important. And uh, I, I read something today, I think it was on Twitter, and it was just like a, a just a commentary, a little tweet, but it was like, you wouldn't teach the James Harden step back if somebody couldn't make the jump shot in the first place. So you, know, you got to <laughs> right. think in those terms. So, you know, th- we do a set of drills called box drills that were developed by Coach Tate's lock. Yeah, uh, we, I love those. Yeah, and love and uh, I think it's the, the best bang for – a short amount of time that you can get in practice because you're working on feet, you're working on balance, you're working on finishing. Um, and, and you can get so much accomplished there because you're right. I mean, that's where a lot of our turnovers come from too, is making plays where you're off balance um, or you don't have your feet underneath you or you're playing off one foot as opposed to two. Um, and, and, and same thing with missed shots, you know, your, your balance is in the wrong spot. Your uh, it comes from your pivots and, and catching and, so that, that set of drills is like gold. Um, and, and we try and do those as much as possible every practice. And, and even within practice, you know, a lot of the things that, that I'm trying to teach and correct, and especially when we're doing position work, 
it's revolving around footwork, how you catch the ball. Um, I mean, when we're talking about even running offenses, like I, I break it down to even the angles of our screens. Um, so it's a lot of simple things, but I think those simple things make, make all the difference in the world when you get in a one, two possession game. Oh, exactly right. Yes. Um, it's always a little details, right, coach? I mean, it's always just, uh, um, and tell me about, do you believe when you teach your fundamental skills, is it one on zero, two on zero, or do you like to always include a defensive uh, player in those particular drills? Uh, or do you like to add contact with pads? How do you, how do you teach your fundamental skills? So I, that's changed over the years. I, I started it out always with defense, always with contact right off the bat. Um, and, and at Coach Walters camp, uh, one of the guys who's worked is Mike Procopio, who's director of player development for the Dallas Mavs. Yeah, I know his name. And, and I got to talking to Mike about, you know, how he teaches things. And he said it's got to be in steps, even with the NBA guys. So you want them to get a skill, you got they got to get it uh, first kind of going through half speed and then full speed and then full speed with defense. Uh, and then full speed and contact. And so it's just got to be a progression. That That's how we try and teach it. So when we're doing our skill work and, and position work, we'll start it out and it'll be one on O, two on O. Then we'll start adding in defense, kind of skeleton defense for the there. Um, and even when we're running and, and teaching our offensive sets, you know, we'll start it a lot of times in, uh, in three on O, just in halves of the court. Then we'll go five on O. And then the first time we introduce defense, I always tell our defense, we, I want you to play this, not like you know the play, but like you should be in shell defense. Where should you be in shell? Because um, that's going to tell our guys, you know, where their screen should be set and the angles their screen should be set. So don't hug your man and cheat the play, but, but let's do this where the defense is going to be when we run it. Um, and, and that helps them see it because it, at the end of the day, I, I don't want guys – you know, playing like robots and thinking about running to spots in the floor. I want them to be basketball players. And so uh, that's where I want them to understand, you know, where they're going and more importantly, why they're going there uh, in, in whatever it is that we're doing. Cause if, if you can get them to understand why, then they're going to, it clicks and they're going to want to do it. Um, yeah. And I, and I love that you, it seems like you love the breakdown, almost the, you know, the, the, the whole, the whole part whole, it sounds like you're trying to teach. Um, and I always, I try to incorporate some type of gameplay with all of my drills. I got to make it game like, because you know how kids are. I see too many drills, even at clinics, the guys are going at speed. Yeah. and it's like, wait a second. now That's even at the college level. I mean, what do you think about that? I, I always, you know, I always try to have our kids going full speed, particularly at the, you know, when you're really trying to get a, really trying to try at the end of, after you teach it, I want my kids going full speed. Yeah. And um, I, I think with the, the groups of guys that I've coached, if there was one characteristic uh, with the most successful teams that, that I've been, been around, it's been that they're hyper competitive. Um, so I like to use that as, as the carrot. Uh, is, all right, we're going to go through shell right now. Uh, and if this is good, we'll compete and we'll play cutthroat at the end. Or, you know, we're going to go through five on O. And if you guys are focused, then we'll get up and down and compete a little bit. And so 
that that tends to be a really good that's been a good carrot for me to be able to dangle to anybody any teams and other really really good teams that I've coached they want to get to the competitive stuff and uh and so that that'll keep them focused and keep them invested in in drills where you've got to teach and you want to get concepts down that we're not going to get there until we we get it down um right yeah i love that yeah i mean just because i think you have to finish with that to find out number one did we teach it right Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean and a lot of times it takes time right i mean it's not going to happen overnight coach can you give me your i ask every coach this give me your top three what is your top three skills and concepts that you teach in your program uh that's a great question uh i i think you know footwork uh has got to be number one and uh, I heard this you know, from from Coach Tate's lock is is you spend so much time dribbling and working on shooting. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, the best players in the league, I think, uh, have the ball in their hands in the NBA for something like seven or eight minutes a game real time in a 48-minute game. And so that, that means at, regardless, you're talking about 40 minutes of the game for the best players that have the ball in their hand the most. They don't have it in their hands, but they're always on their feet. Um, so developing really good feet and footwork uh, is definitely number one. Um, and, and balance falls into that. Um, and we, I try and focus and spend a lot of time uh, on being uh, good defensive teams uh, that, that really finish possessions. Um, that's something that my guys hear all the time. They probably get sick of it. Uh, but, you know, the possession's not over till you finish the play on offense or you finish with a two-handed rebound on defense. Um, right. I love it. Yeah. And then uh, I, I, I like teaching shooting. So um, I, I think, you know, that's one of the, the things that all of our guys um, will walk away, you know, having a pretty good sense of how to shoot the ball. Um, and then I, I think overall just, just being competitive and, and competing. So I gave you four. I'm sorry. Uh, that's all right. <laughs> um. Yeah, and, I, and it's funny how <clears throat> a lot of the great coaches that I talk to, footwork's always up there. Um, but it, it's the hardest thing. It's really, to me, the hardest thing to teach because kids kids don't believe it's really important mm-hmm. unless yeah, you really it, emphasize it. Don't you, don't you agree? I mean, yeah, it's absolutely. hard to teach. <laughs> and especially, like, offensive, offensive footwork, I think, is a little bit easier to teach than defensive footwork. Oh, man. Um, well, you're because at least there's the care. Like if, if you have good footwork on offense, you're probably going to put yourself in better position to score. Um, but, but defensively it's a little bit harder to teach. So we, I mean, like when we're off the ball, two passes, you're getting our guys to understand, like if you're down the line and somebody's cutting across your face, you're doing a lot less work to be able to deny your man cutting to the ball. If you're on basket line, as opposed to hugging your man, then you have to run across two screens um, so that's where film helps them to see right. that. But, uh, yeah, it's the teams. I think that that win consistently, they play the hardest, they play the most together and, and they do really have great footwork and fundamentals. Yeah. That's consistent with winning teams. I know the teams that I've seen there that are winning every year with not the best talent, mm-hmm. man, those teams are so sound footwork wise, stance wise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, they're always in their stand. How many teams do you see there in great stances 
all the time. I mean, and they're out there, but they're very few, mm-hmm. which says a lot about our coaching in America. It says that we, I mean, I mean, I think stances and footwork are, are absolutely the most important thing, but it's hardest to teach. Yep, absolutely. Um, Coach, this, hey, I sure appreciate you coming on, uh, taking the time out during the midseason, man. I know you have other things you got to do. You're probably getting your game plan ready for this week. Uh, hey, uh, what, what final piece of advice that you can offer coaches right now in the middle of their season that they can take home to their teams and – and make a difference with them. Um, one of the favorite things that I start that I've started doing over the last few years, uh, that's been really really helpful, is to find somebody that you play against, uh, or that you've played against earlier in the year, that you won't see the rest of the year. They won't be in your state tournament, uh, but to reach out to that coach and just ask them you know, to give you a scouting report on your team. Uh, And that's been really helpful for me in making adjustments down the stretch for my teams is just to say, hey, you know, if you were – if I'm asking, if I'm another coach who's going to play, in this case, Christ School, like what's the scout on Christ School? What do we need to get better at? Or what would you try and take advantage of? Um, That's been huge as far as making team adjustments. And that takes humility, right? Yeah, yeah, you got to be willing to hear what, what you're not teaching well. I love that. Um, I ask, of course, I ask people around our own program, uh, but sometimes they don't give you – they kind of give you what you want, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly, um, and, that, I, and that's, where, that's where finding somebody that you can trust that, again, that, that doesn't have any skin in the game, uh, you know, what they can offer up. So that unfiltered uh, info is all, always really, really helpful. Yeah, that's great. That's that's a great piece of advice. Hey, how can the audience get a hold of you on Twitter, email? What's the best way to get a hold of you? And we sure appreciate you joining us. Uh, I know the coaches on here will absolutely love uh, trying to get the, trying to get a hold of you and talk to you more. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I appreciate you having me on. It's been awesome. Um, yeah, if anybody wants to reach out on Twitter, uh, my Twitter handle is uh, Coach JD Hoops, um, and then. Uh, at Christ School, it's my email is jdepelto at christschool.org. Um, so if any coaches have any questions, um, always feel free to reach out. I'll, I'll give you the best advice I can and, and probably put you in touch with somebody smarter than me if I can't give you any advice. That's right. Coach, I sure appreciate it. And it just sounds like, uh, you know, this podcast is about people who have a great vision and are, are about impacting others. And I know you have done that through all the programs you have uh, been a leader in. So I sure appreciate you joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it, Kevin. And best of luck to you and uh, your program on the rest of your season. Coach, thank you so much. I'm going to give you an invitation to come out to our clinic uh, next fall, okay? Awesome. I love that. I love that. Thanks so all much. Right. All right. Thanks, Coach. Take, yeah, care. take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Alan Stein, Jr., My new book, Raise Your Game, High Performance Secrets from the Best of the Best, will be available from all major book retailers on January 8th. Raise Your Game takes a rare peek behind the curtain and shows you what the top coaches and players in the game do during the unseen hours. I share their routines, rituals, and habits, as well as proven strategies that you can implement with your team immediately. If you want to maximize your coaching impact and influence, 
Order your copy today at raiseyourgamebook.com.